Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. To find out more about Dream Talk Radio, visit my website at anhill.org. That's A-N-N-E-H-I-L-L dot org. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. It is now 9 o'clock and this is Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, here on Cows, every Thursday from 9 to 10. Um, I do have some incredible guests lined up and the... Uh, one of many is here with me in the studio today. Uh, I will be talking with Ariana Strozzi, who uh, is the author of Horse Sense for the Leader Within. And she works with horses and leadership. She leads uh, down in Valley Ford. She has the Skyhorse Ranch. And she works with people with horses and leadership. Ariana, welcome to Dream Talk Radio. Thanks for having me, Anne. It's great to have you here. Gr- local girl makes good. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so tell so before we get into the dream part let's be, just let people know like what your story is how you got into this really interesting type of work okay well um i grew up on the coastal hills around um stinson beach bolinas Muir beach um and i used to be out uh outside on my horse bareback by myself uh, pretty much every day Riding, you know, I could ride anywhere from Fort Mason all the way up to Point Reyes. Oh, that sounds idyllic. Yeah, oh and it was God. at a time when the lands weren't really public yet, so oh. I was often out there by myself, and not just with my horse, but with the other wild animals around as well. And uh, so when I grew up and went to college, I went to UC Davis, and I uh, majored in zoology with a specialization in uh, uh, wildlife ecology and animal behavior, and worked a lot with a lot of other wild animals like hawks and eagles, owls, and... Um, Bobcats, um, zoo animals, panthers, mm-hmm. alligators, snakes, what all kinds of different exotic animals. And the um, the wild animals taught me the same things that the horses had always mm-hmm. taught me, which is really um, that they're really looking at you and seeing you from the inside out. So they see you, they just look into you. Mm-hmm. And particularly when I was working with wild animals that are designed to, to tear flesh mm-hmm. and bone, right. um, and they would look into me, I'd say, well, I better really know what they're looking at. <laughs> better really know myself. Um, so the animals in the land have always been my primary teachers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and for the first 25 years of my life, really pretty much lived in the animal world and wasn't really in the human world very much. And when I was about 25, um, I was actually on my horse one day, um, which is no surprise now knowing the work that I do, yeah. um, that a lot of my large epiphanies were, did happen when I was on my horses. Um, but I realized that I had really kind of grown rusty in the human world and um, and part of me thought that was fine. Yeah. Um, I really didn't mind not being that involved in the human world. But there was a part of me that also felt like it, if I didn't come back into the world of people that I somehow wouldn't be fulfilling uh, some destiny that I had. So uh, just to cl- 
clarify that. So it sounds like your your close encounters were with animals, not necessarily with humans. Was that? Big, yeah. Did you grow up in a big family, or was that sort of just your your character and the way you? I think you, it was the way I was born. Yeah. I think I just. I mean, all my memories since I was as long uh-huh. as I can remember were I was a very land based uh-huh. person. Right. Yeah, and and I was more comfortable with peop with animals than I was with humans. Humans mm-hmm. were largely confusing to me yeah. and sometimes irritating because yeah. they weren't always telling the truth. They're irritating to me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, so I, I started doing um, Aikido and I started doing oh, yeah. self-development work. I started doing somatics and um, to really with the goal of coming back into the world of people and becoming mm-hmm. more comfortable with people again. But I made an pact with myself that in order to do that, that I would bring my animal ways and my, the way I communicate with animals and the way they communicate with me mm-hmm. into the world of people. So I've kind of been on that journey for, you know, the last 20, right. 20 plus years now. Right. right. Yeah. So that, that same sense of authenticity and that same sort of a- ability to look inside, is, is that what you're talking about in terms? Yeah. And, and yeah. To, yeah, to try to speak authentically. Yeah. So when somebody says, how are you doing, that you don't just give them the pat answer. Right. I mean, that is a sort of a social morae. It's like, mm-hmm. how are you doing? Everybody says, fine. Right. But it, but. When somebody looks at you and they say, well, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're feeling and they're intuiting something in you. Yeah. <clears throat> and to how can we be more respectful of each other's intuition yeah. and speak to that as opposed to just the quick and easy answer, mm-hmm. the one that has the least, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. impact? Boy, I mean, the, your, the childhood you're describing, I mean, I just, that to me would be just heaven being able to just wander on a horse from all the way from Fort Mason or Fort whatever the Fort Baker or whatever it is at the tip of the headlands and yeah ah that just you must have had some amazing amazing time just on the land just out in the in the wild land yeah no I had yeah. it was some of my best memories yeah. ever I, and yeah. they still with me to this day yeah yeah absolutely I mean, having grown up myself in the East Bay Hills and just wandering into the canyons yeah. just alone, I just, I know how that is of getting so close to the spirit of this land. Yeah. It's well, really... this area, particularly in Occidental, is very similar to where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Very much. It's sort of like coming back home, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. where, where I was, I mean, you could go into the forest and then you could come out into the pasture land and back into yes. the forest and yeah. the creeks. and um, But I always felt safe. Yeah. In, in right. nature, which I don't always feel safe in cities. In, in for cities, some people, yeah. it's different. It's the opposite yeah. for some people. Yeah. Well, so yeah. then, so you, you brought together all this somatic training, all the, you know, the Aikido and the different kinds of stuff where there's the body-mind balance and fine-tuning. And how do you bring that, how do you teach people what you know? Well, um in both the um, Aikido and somatics, I was also studying a lot of leadership then. Uh-huh. And it's funny, I always ask myself, why was I studying leadership? Um, um, and, and, and actually using the word leadership um, for the last 20 years is interesting because the more I've, you know, I've, I mean, I've studied it, I've taught it, I've practiced it for 20 years. And the more that I've studied it, especially through the horses, the more I actually don't like the word very much anymore. Uh-huh leadership yeah but i think only because most humans don't what happens is the minute a a person hears the word leadership there's Mm -hmm. sort of this subconscious or unconscious connotation that that comes to form which has to do with well there's a boss or there's the leader of and then then you have to be sort of better which then implies that someone's less than and 
and then somebody's more subordinate. And that's really not what leadership means. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's it, but the human has a sort of a distorted notion of it, and which, yeah. like I said, since it's sort of either subconscious or unconscious, it's harder to get to that. And so, um, what I what I noticed early on was that the principles of leadership, regardless of who's teaching it and the mm-hmm. different methodologies, are run parallel to the art of horsemanship. Mm-hmm. And so, really, I've always studied the uh, the nonverbal communicators of of leadership, like mm-hmm. what what gives a horse or a person a sense that you're in leadership. And so leadership I will usually redefine as are you leading your life or is it leading you? Uh Are you taking responsibility for your life and living with that sense of um, free choice or free will Mm -hmm. Um, and and feeling your destiny at the same time? We're all born with sort of a purpose or in our lifetime. and, And so really my work with people is a lot about helping each person to reconnect to the best parts of themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and when we're in a flow in our life, we're applying the best parts of ourselves at the right place in the right time. Yeah. And when we're not in a flow in our life, something along those lines is usually just, it's just, um, out of alignment. Right. Um, and then the Aikido, you know, where we were studying, I know you're, you know, you're right. an Aikidoist as well. So, um, and studying the Aikido from that perspective of, um, the energy of your opponent and the energy mm-hmm. of yourself and extending your energy and blending, uh, your energies together and, and the power of the martial arts where mm-hmm. you can be a smaller and less strong than somebody, but still, uh, not let somebody overcome you. That's right. Um, and in studying that, I, I remember one day, again, I was ri- I chose to ride my horse instead of do Aikido. So I was riding my horse outside around the Aikido dojo. <laughs> and I went, wait a minute, I've been doing Aikido with horses all my life. I just mm. didn't realize, I wasn't conscious of that. Right. So then I thought, well, what if I made that more conscious? So I'm blending my energy with my horse's energy yeah. and made that more of a conscious practice. And then... Um, my horse just started reading my mind, and he was doing oh, things wow. before I was asking him to do right. them. So I studied that. That's a long story. but yeah. um, And so then I started saying, well, who better, you know, one of the principles that we work on is, you know, um, are you, um, and it, it works in Aikido and also is in, in horsemanship. In, in Aikido, you, you often call it like moving from your center. Right. Well, in horses, we call you moving, using your seat. Uh-huh. Same, but it's the same place. Oh, it's the center yeah. of gravity. Right. So it's it's in these ancient arts, yeah. Um, and so and now they have it in golf and tennis uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and and there certainly is a significant ability that you have when you're moving from center than when you're yeah. not. And so and then taking expanding on that to uh, move not just moving from a physical center, but being centered on mm-hmm. what you care about and what's important to you. Yeah. And when you're doing that, then you you have the the most choice. So you're, you're less likely to be just reacting to your situation or the environment, mm-hmm. but really choosing how you want to respond. Mm-hmm. And that's where we can start to change ourselves, change the, right. our thought patterns or change our behavior so that we can really make significant change right. in our life. Yeah. I mean, in, in Aikido, when, when you're smaller than your opponent, it becomes really important to, uh, to have your energy extended already. You know, your opponent tends to, when a, a person relies on their strength, they tend to not uh, have the extension of their energy because they pretty much trust their ability to respond 
So then that sounds like what is kind of the same thing with horses. If you're you're on the horse, you, you're actually sort of extending out before anything happens, and the horse is kind of reading those signals. Well, the horse is... The horse is a completely somatic being. Yeah. <clears throat> He's our, the horse is always extended into the environment with their senses and their listening. And so when you're around them, whether you're riding them or not, you're safer if you also are have a yeah. very large awareness. Yeah. Not that you necessarily your energy is extended, but that your awareness is extended mm-hmm. um, uh, throughout your yeah. immediate and extended environment. And um, the other thing is horses are bigger and stronger than people are and so as a kid I couldn't muscle a horse around I mean Mm -hmm. they were just too big and too strong so I think at a very young age found another way Mm -hmm. of through this these more nonverbal communicators of of having clarity having focus having a sureness and and having a commitment to Mm -hmm. to find a connection together Mm -hmm. um and to engage the horse in a partnership of, of mutual reciprocal partnership yeah. as opposed to a subordinate dominant yeah. uh, relationship in uh and i should just mention we are uh here on dream talk radio on cows this morning talking with ariana strozzi of skyhorse ranch uh in valley ford about all kinds of things and uh you can reach ariana at skyhorseranch.com and also equineguidededucation.org equine guided education that's kind of a long one but it makes Total it's sense. also there's e g e a dot u s oh e g e a dot u s yeah. I'll write that one down that's always easy, um, and if you have any questions for Ariana Strosi you can give us a call here at the station seven zero seven eight seven four one zero seven three we can take calls on the air because she's here in the studio which is really a lovely thing to be able to do. On the subject of leadership, I'm thinking I've studied, you know, human group dynamics for a while. And there's always, well, not always, but often there's an overt leadership and a covert leadership. Overt is, okay, I'm supervisor. That's my title. You are administrative assistant. And, you know, so there's the titles and the, the hierarchical organization. But then when you get into a room with people, it's so fascinating, and, and there's, a say, a group discussion about anything. It's really fascinating to watch who the person talking is looking at. And that, to me, is my biggest guide of, okay, th- that's the person that holds the power in the room, or that's the person who is perceived to hold the power in the room. And I'm wondering how, I, and so there's, a, there's kind of often a disconnect. People are really focused on one person where the the so-called head of the group is over in the other side of the room. So how do you, how do horses sense that kind of thing? How do you work with people that have that kind of split? Well, you know, the, I mean, horses like humans, um, really, it's not about a person's um, title or position of authority. It's largely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you're watching is, is accurate, which is mm-hmm. that the both the human and the horse are listening to um the uh who who the who the body leader is yeah. you know who and the energetic leader and that person um arises out of kind of um, embodying a certain set of qualities um and it's not about bossiness like you can have leaders in in a corporate environment that are get things done because they're bossy and they're mm-hmm. pushy 
but their people are usually sort of begrudging, a little mildly to largely resentful. Yeah. And the minute they don't have to follow that, that leader, they won't. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in horses too. But um, so that what what the horses are sensing is, which is what people are sensing, we're just not as aware that our bodies yeah. are responding that way. Is uh, like I was saying before that a person has is um, coming from a centered place that they are centered deeply in what matters to them, what they care about. Mm-hmm. So that let's say they're leading a particular vision, what the animal in us and and in horses is listening to is, do you really believe in that? Do uh-huh. you really care about that? Is that uh-huh. really important to you? And if so, then I'm going to be more interested. And then. Um, now, are you pretty? Sh- are you are you sure that mm-hmm. about this possibility mm-hmm. of this vision that mm-hmm. you have, and can I see myself in it too? Yeah. You know, so it has to have a um, tangible quality, a relational quality, the vision itself, mm-hmm. and then also, are you going to be able to take me through this? I mean, yeah. do you have the commitment and the faith to what you're, what you see possible? That if I join up with you, that you're gonna. Right. You're going to actually see this through. This isn't just some folly idea. That's the exhilarating thing when you see like somebody in dressage you know, jumping with a horse. It's just exhilarating because they are completely joined in that way. I mean, the, the horse must have to know that the human is committed to making that jump. Well, there's dressage and then there's jumping and hunting and all oh, that whoops. stuff. Dressage is the ground is groundwork. But uh. in jumping, yeah, but they've done a lot a lot of practice to uh-huh. get to be that um unified uh-huh yes i'm um, sure because it, it can also be not pretty to look at yeah, too <laughs> it can be really horrible well and that i mean i think that but that might be a good metaphor for how humans just in daily life you have to really practice to get aligned i mean you have this really interesting uh, story in your book about the woman who's next to her horse and says i'm i'm moving to seattle for this other job and the horse starts saying, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, that was fascinating. I mean, I've seen so many, so many bizarre and profound yeah. um, situations with the people and horses. Yeah. So, you know, what I started doing what, 20 years ago um, was first I was bringing people out to work with the horses on just, you know, are you centered or off-centered? Because yeah. the horses will be the first to tell you. Because if you're in your head and you're thinking that you're mm-hmm. doing good, Right. That's not, that's not, you're not in the, the groove. Um, or if you're not sure about what you mm-hmm. want, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that lady, um, I only got to work with her for a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. But she, the, her story was that she was going to move to Seattle because it was a good idea for everybody else. And it was mm-hmm. sort of like a should. I should move uh-huh. to Seattle. Yeah. And the horse, I mean, the horse and I had been working with, this group of people all day long and uh-huh. we were really in a groove. And so this horse started shaking its head. No, and people were like, really, that's weird. Mm-hmm. But I've seen it enough now that when that kind of thing happens, that the horse is pretty tapped yeah. in. Yeah. And, um, then what came right out of that was she really didn't want to move uh-huh. to Seattle at all. That was just sort of a work related should kind of thing. And she really wanted to be home with her, family in Hawaii and she had convinced herself she had convinced herself and was presenting it to the group as though this is this is what I'm and that's the great thing about working with horses is the horses will tell us Mm -hmm. our truth too yeah (laughs) 
you know, so a lot of people come to us, whether they're in a, you know, some people are in big transitions, mm-hmm. um, whether personally or professionally. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are just, they've been that good workhorse for so long, but yeah. now they're like, I don't know what I want anymore. Right. Or they just want to refine themselves in some way, refine some of their skills. Um, maybe they have a lot of responsibility and they mm-hmm. need to be, they know they really need to be top of their game and be Mm -hmm. really focused and so they want to do some training in that and so Mm -hmm. when the when the people come out and work with the horses we start out where they're just being with the horses we're just being around them and there's something really uh, mysterious and profound that happens that still kind of blows me away um because there's a way that just being around the horses in their environment the people it doesn't matter if people even like horses Mm -hmm. it's irrelevant um, will start to come into themselves in a more sensate or intuitive way. Mm-hmm. And so their bodies will start to soften and their their head, their mind can't st- stay s- in so much control. Yeah. And so we'll start to be able to very quickly get to the, the heart of the matter, right. really. Um, right. And And people are... Um, so we can get to core topics or issues or the real subject matter... Mm-hmm in minutes with a horse mm-hmm. present than it would take six months in an average either yeah. coaching or therapy process. Right. So that lady in with within five minutes of being with that horse yeah. got really clear what was the inside of her was saying, I don't want to move. Right. And the outside of her was saying, I, we should move. Right. And there was a part of her that intuitively knew that, that there were, her inside mm-hmm. and her outside weren't aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the horse just sort of confirmed that and gave her the belief and the strength yeah. to trust herself and do what you know yeah. what was coming from the inside. The more that's the more authentic expression then. Right. And so then she actually followed through with that. Yeah. Which I mean, to me in dreams too, that's the good thing. If you if we have a dream about something or in waking life if we have an insight about it. It's not just there to for us to collect diagnoses in some yeah. way. You know, we actually have to move on. Right. You know, and that's what builds that core strength to be able to tap into our into our truth. Yeah. You know, all along the way. Well, and when she switched and she said, "I'm, gosh, I really just want to stay in Hawaii with my family," the horse just the whole body relaxed and they mm. started walking. Oh, wonderful. which is a real f- example of flow. Uh-huh. You know, if the horse alignment. will walk with you. Yeah. yeah. So the horses, it's it's fascinating because the peop, the horses will um, when a person is talking about something yeah. that that's that's really real for them or in a, from an authentic place, it's very appealing. Yeah. And the horses want to be around them and they want to listen and they get close to them and and actually you, as a human you can feel it too. You you get engaged, you get interested in them, mm-hmm. and then when the person's really talking from their head, from like the should places and all the constructs that. Mm-hmm. our culture and our family systems define for us <clears throat> the horse just, it's not interesting to the horse because yeah. it's not real for that person yeah and they'll walk away or and and you can feel yourself just being you know hearing a lot of words but not being really interested in right. what they're saying yeah. the place where you start zoning out and thinking about your shopping list or whatever yeah something that's more pressing yeah one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about is horses in dreams I've talked to so many people who have really intense dreams about horses 
none of whom have any experience per se about horses. But I thought I'd ask the expert, you know, do you have horse dreams or when, when people come to you with dreams about horses, how do you interpret that? What do you, what do you, what's your go-to kind of a... There's a lot to say in that, answering that question because there's a, there's a bunch of different ways to go with that. Um, So the first, um, the first thing I'll, I'll talk about is the, um, I'd say particularly since 2000, mm-hmm. 2001, there's been a significant increase in people having horses in their dreams. Hmm. And they come to my class and they'll say, a lot of times they'll say, I've, just, I've been having all these dreams about horses and this and this, no and kidding. I don't even know if I like horses. I don't know horses, but I just keep dreaming about them. So I'm here. Wow. That's why I'm here. And I don't know why I'm here. Um Another really common thing is people will just say, I'm just being really called by the horses, and I'm not sure why. So I've been studying that for about the last 10 years. And um, I believe that the horses are messengers Mm -hmm. in a sense. I mean, this is, you know, um, I'm kind of um, summarizing. Um, But they're messengers in a way for the the great mother who's basically, you know, there's – who's in trouble yeah. <laughs> or I mean that's not a ni- nice way to put it there, that's a whole other topic of conversations how we want to talk about that but mm-hmm. we all know that that we're in an unsustainable mm-hmm. um, relationship with the earth right and um, that the horses in some way are messengers about that mm-hmm. and there's a lot of other animals that are are there too but we just don't recognize them as easily as uh-huh. we do the horses yeah um, you know, hummingbirds and whales and dolphins and raptors, uh, the birds yeah. of prey, all very, and butterflies and dragonflies, all very significant. We just don't yeah. see them as much. And so we don't, we're not as aware. Yeah. So the horses in a sense have almost been sort of selected by mm-hmm. the other members of the, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, the animal earth, um, to w- awaken the people. And the horses are an ancient archetype. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, there's not a person in the world that is not going to be awed by a, a horse, Right. jumping or moving yes. swiftly and and they're just they're they're beautiful they they're they have dignity yeah. they have honor they have strength endurance patience they're just resilience i mean they're just it goes on and on so they're they're an ancient archetype mm-hmm. um and um and i think too for you know particularly for why the phenomena young girls yes. you know and horses is that the 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 you know the pubescent or preteen girl can be with her horse and feel her own beauty and her own strength mm-hmm. in the privacy of her relationship with her uh-huh. horse at the very time that socially and externally she needs often to uh, kind of hide cover that. Up, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm talking about, the archetype. Yeah. So um, some people are being called to the extent that they're, well, I'd say quite a significant number of people are, once they listen to the call of the horse and they mm-hmm. come particularly to our classes or they get themselves around horses, they'll often be, come into that more authentic place mm-hmm. and they'll leave their corporate jobs and the things that they had always labeled as the shoulds and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really start to do things and be um, things that are important to them, mm-hmm. for themselves and their family. Mm-hmm. And that can mean t- um, taking different jobs you know like i mean i'm seeing a lot of exodus of people leaving the corporate world and doing things that they love like whether it's dance or art Mm -hmm. or writing Mm -hmm. um uh writing books poetry 
um, you know, uh, photography, um, just working with people, volunteering. Right. Um, we, I just had this corporate lady, uh, just three weeks ago, she came out of the class, a five day class and started volunteering for big brothers and big sisters. Oh, wow. And that's what's giving her heart and meaning right now. Right. Um, So somehow, somehow integrating the heart and meaning into what we're, what we're doing. Well, yeah. And so, so, I mean, I think the horses first are, you know, asking people to wake up. Yeah. And then if, if, as each person wakes up, then they can go out and help wake Mm -hmm. other people up. Mm -hmm. And the, what's, what's being asked to be awakened is awaken your animal body, like Uh feel what's happening. You know, don't be so scared about it, but just feel it. There is pain in the world and you can feel it. And I think people get afraid of that. And so they'll sort of just, you know, dig their head in the sand or hope Mm -hmm. and pretend that it's not happening. But I think in order for us to make it through the next five to 10 years, we have to wake up. We have to feel the, um, the pain and, and through that feeling that pain, we're going to come out the other side and say, you know what? It's not okay anymore that our, our governmental system's not working mm-hmm. or what we're being told by our media that, mm-hmm. that the media is choosing to talk about mm-hmm. Tiger Woods instead of, right. um, you know, what's happening in, uh, you know, Haiti. or right. You have to go work hard to find real news yeah. now. But things like that. I mean, I could yeah. go on and on. But mm-hmm. I really think that the horses are tapped into this much larger, mm-hmm. significant um, – issue right now Mm -hmm. and that and i believe that we do have the ability to change um our world and it and what it's going to require is us doing this wake up Uh wake up take a stand say no you know stop buying packaging you know you know don't if you don't like what you know if you don't like a roll of stamps being packaged in an eight and a half by (laughs) eleven thing of plastic at costco then don't buy it (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah. we have to take a yeah. stand and, yeah. and and then not just don't buy it, write a letter yeah. and say, I'm not buying it because of all this packaging or, you know, little things to big things. Right. So all the ways that we go along with things because it's easy or it's habitual, but it's not examined. We have to change our practices yeah. It, yeah. It, uh, from an individual level to community level outward. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's that's a big thing. And and um, and then. For me, dreams, um, when I have, when I'll have significant horse dreams at certain times. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because when I have horses in my dreams, they're telling, the way I listen and decipher that dream is different than when I have, let's say, birds in my dream. Uh Because I'll have hawks in my dream Uh and they're uh, very close in totem for me. And so... I have a different way I pay attention to those right. dreams than I do to my horse dreams. Right. So Ooh, it's this fascinating. This is going to be really interesting. We're yeah. talking with Ariana Strozzi this morning on Dream Talk Radio. Uh, if you have any questions, you can call us at, here at the studio, 707-874-1073. Yeah. So dreams, please. <laughs> well, with my horse dreams, um, they're... They usually come to me in a dream when it's time. It's time for again for me to think about something deeply, uh-huh. and usually um, there it's something that's ahead of time, and that, so let's say something that will happen six months or a year more out, uh-huh. and so I'm being asked, and in my interpretation yeah. through the dream is to pay attention, and oftentimes there, it's not as it seems in the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, for example, I had one big dream about um, one of my horses that um, was uh, she'd fallen into this gully or something. Been she was sort of trapped in this gully of water, mm -hmm. and it's, at first it seemed like she was dead, mm. but then she wasn't. She was pregnant. She was about to give mm. birth, and so that's what I mean. Is so like yeah. it's asking. And horses ask us to do this too, is to shift our consciousness, uh -huh. yeah. to shift out of that first story like, oh, uh -huh. she's dead or just because she's lying down right. and she looks immobile. Right. The horses in all the work that they do with us is asking us, don't rush to that first interpretation because there's something else going on here. Mm -hmm. And so the other one was that she's pregnant and she's mm -hmm. about to give birth. And so I put a blanket on her and that was really a dream I had before the uh, inception of this equine guided education association oh, yes. that we had. Oh, wow. um, and it was a very powerful, significant dream that stayed mm -hmm. with me and one that I remembered. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend who I share my dreams with. She's my dream keeper. So mm, I can always go nice. back to her and say, remember that dream? And cause she'll remember some of the details. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, um, and also it's fascinating when we're working with the horses that it's interesting. And I'm just thinking of it now as we're talking is that, um, since this last period of yeah. time, 2000, 2001, the horses are laying down a lot more when we're working. Oh. Um, and when I say we're working, like I said, we're not necessarily, we're not riding the horses and we're not, yeah. um, you know, doing things like that, but we're being with them and they're laying down more and they're actually mm. dreaming and they're connecting to the spirit world or to the underworld. Oh, yeah. So in, in the, in your big open sort of covered place that you work with people, they're laying down there and. Is yeah, that, right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like last summer, um I'm changing topic a little bit. Uh -huh. That's okay. I'll get back to uh -huh. my other dreams. But um uh last summer in July, we had a um a class full of people that I would say were largely like um sh very shaman like healers mm -hmm. um from around the world. Mm -hmm. And the first day, I mean, we just all met, mm -hmm. you know, and we introduced ourselves. It was our first time out with the horses and we were out for, it was 2 hours after meeting each other. Mm -hmm. And normally I we observe the horses and we do um, some activities. So I'm trying to set the context. I'm mm -hmm. kind of trying to set right. how we want to be observing the horses. Right. And this one horse just lays down right behind me. Mm -hmm. And then these other horses are kind of getting between me and the people. So I can't see the people <laughs> and they can't see me. And I, after two or three times, I know that's a message. Like yes. the, you're missing the point. You're missing uh, the point. Remember, uh -huh. it's all about. Uh -huh. And it's like, okay, you know what? For some, I said just... I'm just yeah. getting the sense that we're supposed to sit down around this horse. Uh -huh. And so I drop my plan, which is uh -huh. what the horses are teaching us all the right. time, is drop your right. plan, forget about what you thought was mm -hmm. real and what you mm -hmm. thought was important. Right. And from a kind of intellectual point of view or human point of view. So we all sat down around this horse that was laying down. Mm -hmm. And we sat down for about 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, God, I wonder if these people are going to just think I'm crazy or if this right. is going to be mm -hmm. relevant. And I, but I was just, I've, I've just learned, I just got to trust, trust, yeah. trust, 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 yes. follow the horse, trust the horse. Don't you so, hate that? <laughs> and so we were sitting down and this other uh, horse came and laid down behind this one woman. So this woman had two horses laying down and but in front of her and behind her. Wow. And it was this amazing mm. experience for her of just letting herself sit and come down and She'd been um, going through a horrendous divorce for mm. over the last five years, and um, she'd just been swirling around, like really, literally, just running around through in the legal system with everything, and right. and and the horses just said, "Just sit, just sit, and lay down." 
and breathe. And it was the beginning of her healing. Wow. And so we're six months out and she's almost now, she's finally broken all the cords that the dysfunctional cords that were causing her not to continue with her life. Mm -hmm. And she's now moving on with her life in a very productive way. It Um, took two horses, one in front and one behind. And then all the other people, it was a major significant piece too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they each have slightly different metaphor. I mean, for some it was that, but the, and I was asking myself the question to, to my spirit guides um, and saying, you know, like feeling the pain of the earth and what are we, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? You know, like trying Mm -hmm. to find the answer. And I got the big message that mm-hmm. it's not about, we're not going to find the answer. We're, it's not the, the solution for this lack of sustainability with our Mother Earth is not about finding the answer. Yeah, It is about literally sitting down, mm-hmm. slowing down, being with your family, being with people you care about, um, stopping the consumerism. Mm-hmm. And from there, you're going to have the strength to take the stand. Uh-huh. So right. I don't know. That was the message I got right. out of doing that right. simple thing. Right. So that was in a way a living, uh, a waking dream, That's I right. guess you call it. A waking call. dream. Yeah. yeah. So they do have the ability to channel us in waking yes. dreams too. Yes. That, um, yeah. So, and then when I have my birds of prey in my dreams, like the hawks yeah. and eagles, they're really, those dreams are usually very powerful, mm-hmm. very significant. And they usually imply that something close into my family is going to be affected. Uh-huh. Um, and then, and so if it's a scary dream, so the way I always look at my dreams is first I, uh, as soon as I wake up, cause usually these big dreams, I wake up like with a start, like a yeah. significant wake up. And that the first thing is, okay, what's the mood and what's the feeling mm-hmm. that I'm having? Mm-hmm. You know, am I scared? Am I happy? Am right. I, cause sometimes the feeling doesn't go along with that's right. the content. Yeah. And then, um, but if, and that's important to know but let's say so in a couple of my significant dreams they were very disturbing um and very um uh, just yeah just horrifying yeah and about six months later something really horrifying happened to one of my family members Mm. you know so Mm -hmm. not even six months maybe three to six so Mm -hmm. i've learned over time that now when I have those kind of dreams is like, okay, I need to pay attention really close in to my family yeah, now. Right. And I need to do my own sort of prayer work around protecting my family uh-huh. and keeping that, that, and right. that, you know, destructive energy away. Do and you think because, because of the uh, connection between being predators and protectors, I mean, hawks are pretty fierce. You know, is that kind of where you're, how you feel that, or just because of the nature of your uh, relationship with with birds of prey? I think it's my my relationship with birds uh-huh. of prey. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. I mean, I did a lot of work with them. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of rehab. Oh, healing that's right. Work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had a. I actually had one very special red tails, mm. red tail seventeen, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who saved me and who I saved. Wow. And so. Um, and uh, he was non-releasable bird, so mm-hmm. I was the only one that could um, train him to stand on our fists so we uh-huh. could take him to schools and teach yeah. kids not to let their parents shoot him and things right. like that. Yeah. But he was untrainable, and um, so that meant his life was pretty hopeless mm-hmm. and would end shortly. And so I had a lot of talks with him, like, come on, you have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. You're needed mm-hmm. in a bigger way yeah. here. and that kind of thing and he finally trusted mm-hmm. me enough and then he became a significant teaching bird wow. for many years but anyway so i think it's more my relationship with yeah. them yeah and they're very powerful um 
uh, to other people too. But I mean, everybody has their own totem animals too that yeah. come to them different ways. I always have waking dreams of hawks. Like mm-hmm. I'll be uh, driving down the road thinking of something, you know, a project I'm, or something I'm working on, and then I'll suddenly see a hawk on a wire yeah. right there. And to me, depending on what the hawk is doing, it's a kind of a commentary. It's like mm-hmm. if it's on the wire, it's like, no, it's a waiting time. It's not quite ready to... And and sometimes if it just I see it suddenly just diving for something and I'm thinking okay now's the time so it's really for me very direct messages with hawks or mm-hmm. even just thinking you know wandering my thoughts are wandering and I'll see a hawk and I'll think okay this is important you yeah. know so they kind of are to me saying pay attention that's right yeah yeah, yeah pay attention and yeah and so then looking at what the quality of that attention yeah. is um, oftentimes right. they're very affirming. Mm-hmm. So you might, like, I know for me, if I'm thinking about something kind of almost intuitively, like I'm not even aware that I'm really thinking it, yeah. and then I'll see a hawk, you know, over, you know, circling, right, circling. over me, it's like, okay, that's confirmation, and mm-hmm. what was I really thinking? And uh-huh. like thinking more intuitively, yeah. and going, okay, I'm tra- I'm tracking that, yes. you know? Yeah. yeah. But they've also come to me in, in waking dreams too with messages as well that aren't always I mean I think the thing I always would like to tell people when I'm working with them is not to just assume that the hawk is always you know saying something affirming Mm, mm -hmm, you know so mm -hmm. I'll give you a quick little story I it was a waking it was a waking um vision but uh we have a large pond like lake at Mm -hmm. at the ranch and um this osprey had come Mm -hmm. and was um was hunting and uh my father was going in for a major heart surgery, mm-hmm. um, and I'd just woken up, and this this osprey was there, and he he you know he do- he dove to catch the fish uh, two or three times, and he missed. Mm. And the but the first conscious part of me thought, oh great, an osprey's there, that's some confirmation, you know, affirmation, mm-hmm. my father's yeah. going to be okay. But then I just went, no, Aaron, that that's your mm-hmm. false read, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I, so I stopped my read of it and yeah. I just went, what are you, what's the message? Yeah. What am I supposed to see? Right. And I realized that, um, I mean, he kept missing the fish yeah. and, and, um, I didn't feel good inside. Uh-huh. And so I, uh, I thought, and I had, and because I let my mind go, this vision uh-huh. flooded in that my father wasn't necessarily uh-huh. going to be okay. Yeah. That this wasn't going to be. Uh, that I needed to pay attention and I needed to pray for my mm-hmm. father mm-hmm. that to come out of this surgery alive, that this was not going to be easy mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so sure enough, um, he got almost through the whole surgery. Everything was fine. At the very end, um, something happened and mm-hmm. um, he almost died. Wow. And um, and so, but I kept that vigilance through the whole day of yeah. just, the you know, of, of um, mm-hmm. not just, assuming that he was going to be okay, but knowing that I needed right. to do that extra prayer or whatever. Yeah, and I think what you just mentioned about stopping your read and and listening deeper is so important because we do, I mean, we can have a real emotional response to our dream or to our waking vision. And sometimes that's right on, but sometimes, I mean, we need to learn to recognize when it's actually, we haven't gone deep enough. We're responding on some surface level to what's going on, but we're not actually getting the message. Really important peace there yeah i think that's important practice yes because the the our our mental consciousness is used to running the show and it's usually inaccurate Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the primary things that the horses are teaching us is that um 
that's what a lot of our study is when we're when we're being with them is learning how to let go of the mental constructs yeah. to listen to the more intuitive place, yeah. which I think is part of the future now. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is part of what we need to access. We need to access this other state of consciousness more now um, going into our future because mm-hmm. that is connecting us to the un, the collective unconscious or all the other information that's around there all mm-hmm. the time. And mm-hmm. so I'd be curious how, how, people's, how people's dreams are changing in general um like i know you know um i would think i was telling you before Mm -hmm. we came on the air that in the summer we were in that three-week class so i always my dreams always intensify for sure and um i was having water dreams every night and the the ocean water was coming up um in the places where it shouldn't be yeah and it was like every night so i was like okay what am i supposed to be seeing here you know um one time even we were sort of the in the dream we were sort of in these um chairs like you're going to the movie theater yeah and looking at the ocean but we had to have seat belts on in case we got you know <laughs> <Yeah>. swept away <laughs> but but the mood of the dream was sort yeah. of um it didn't feel scary mm-hmm. so i thought okay this isn't something close in this isn't yeah. like we're gonna have a tsunami here right but i just thought i'm i'm feeling something that's coming yeah. i'm feeling something that's coming and yeah. sure enough that t- tsunami that happened right. well and the interesting thing too is when they then they stopped for a period of 3 weeks which to me i think when i finally got the message and i said okay i'll, I'll uh-huh. believe the possibility that there right. this, this tsunami is right. going to be coming I, I don't think in this area i don't think it's close by at all yeah um and then then that 3 weeks later yeah. that the tsunami i was like huh, you know and i i don't know i think that's kind of fun yeah to I don't. Fun's not the right word. I think that's kind of fascinating or interesting that if we allow our consciousness to open up and expand and not let the mental construct um, mm-hmm. control it, that we can actually we can actually start to access this other stuff that's going on. Well, and like we were talking about before the show, it's just so interesting. I mean, just the phenomenon of having dreams about something six months out, three months out, even three weeks out that is happening across the world from us. So it's not like we're, you know, we're not a meteorologist. We don't have the huge, we can't alert people, but it's this sort of inner wakefulness and inner awareness. And to me, it kind of feels like um, sort of a, a, both a confirmation of our ability to uh, to pay attention and also a call to, to be even more present and I, I, it mm-hmm. just fascinates me what you're talking about, how you'll have dreams, you know, re- repetitive dreams about something, and then they'll stop about three weeks or so before the actual event. Yeah, that's some kind of a confirmation, I think. And, uh-huh. and that's from when when um, being with the horses, um, if we're not listening yeah. it, to this other place um, of consciousness... Um, the horses will get more, their behavior will get more pronounced. Yeah. And they'll get, on, like, get louder and louder and louder until you, you can't not pay. And, and the environment will too. It's fascinating. I mean, sometimes then it's not just the horses, but it's the, the rest of the environment. The that's wind. Just, or... Oh, the wind. And I mean, there's sometimes where, um, for example, this lady's, you know, she's trying to talk about something and the horses are making all this noise and the goats are making all this noise and then there's something banging back and then this airplane happens just Uh now to come around and make everything so noisy you're like okay you know there's a lot of distraction going on let's just acknowledge that and then as soon as we acknowledge that 
it goes away uh-huh. and it's quiet again. Uh-huh. Um, and so as soon as we, we actually acknowledge whatever it is that we're supposed to be, then there's that, you know, mm-hmm. it, that noise stops yeah. or the quietness. So that's, you know, so I'm learning to interpret yeah. um, my dreams that way too. You know, if I, if I'm pushing something away and not wanting to look at it mm-hmm. then it'll, it'll keep, come in it'll until, keep recurring. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. We're talking with Ariana Strozzi here on Dream Talk Radio this morning. Ariana is the author of Horse Sense for the Leader Within, uh, which you can order at Copperfields. You can also find it on Amazon, and you can also order it directly from Ariana at skyhorseranch.com. And her equine uh, education organization you can find at egea.us. As we're sitting here uh, talking, Ariana, I'm thinking, actually, I don't, I don't only have waking dreams of hawks. There's been a couple significant dreams, you know, night dreams of hawks, um, that, and one of which in particular uh, I followed for several years, and it led me basically to what I do now, you know, as a dream consultant. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing to me is that in the dream, it wasn't an an actual hawk it was it was a rooster because it was very colorful but it was circling like a hawk would so it's sort of a mixture uh-huh. yeah and then just recently I had a dream about it was nighttime and I looked up and there's a hawk circling but I'm thinking in the dream that can't be a hawk it must be an owl but it looks like a hawk and it's circling at night so these interesting little hybrids of yeah. birds that's that's a those are big mm. I think when you have a dream like that um you know, really, it's really asking you to stretch outside of your, uh-huh. con- you know, that sort of that right. first conscious concept, right? Saying it's not as it, it's not as it seems, and yeah. the essence of it, it's something new or different, or something that I can't put in one box or another. Yeah, I had a really mm. powerful dream like that where, because my my raptors are usually pretty straightforward in my dreams, but this one. Uh, my house was sort of sitting on top of this sort of gull, you know, this sort of gully mm-hmm. underneath, and the water was coming through. Yeah. And so water's become pretty predominant yeah. subject matter in my dream over the last couple of years, you know, really telling me to pay attention to things um, as well. And, and um, I walk into the house and um, there's a black owl, mm. shiny black owl, kind of mm. like, you know, that, you know, like yeah. raven, but owl. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, there's no such thing as right. a black owl. Right. And she was sitting on a nest on top of the kitchen cupboard up. Wow. And I, and so party, you know, party could go that, ooh, scary, because mm-hmm. there's no such thing as right. a black owl. Right. What's that mean? But the other, the, the mood was, wow, mm. look, at she's so beautiful. That's amazing. Mm. And so I follow the mood. Right. As opposed to, you know, the conscious yeah. story. So that's the same thing in same your thing. switch dreams yeah. there. Yeah. But she was, she was there. That was another life-changing dream I had, because mm-hmm. she foretold um, and was giving me strength to... Um, you know, going through going through my divorce, mm-hmm. my, my, my that you know yeah. my divorce started to happen yeah. within a year of oh, that really? dream, mm-hmm. and I always held on to that dream as you know, just trust right. it's okay. Yeah, this is something going to be something new, and you know, I mean, like uh, she's sitting on a nest. Yep, she's nesting. The house is okay. She's protecting because she's mm-hmm. up there, mm-hmm. o- look overlooking the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like it's a lot of really powerful. Right. And it's a death, but there's a guide through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the birds that can cross over, cross the veil and come back. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so yeah. those are really powerful dreams. Yeah. And yeah. and it, interesting, I didn't think of the connection until till just now when we were talking, too. Mm-hmm. The, the ravens, uh, I have a pair of ravens that, that mm-hmm. live at the, oh, at the yeah. ranch, and they're also um, powerful, uh, have become yeah. um, powerful players in in everything that goes on at, yeah. at there at the ranch, but they're they've become really significant guides uh-huh. for me, and they're my uh, consciousness guides, uh-huh. so to speak. You know, they'll they'll tell me when I'm not yeah. thinking about something from the oh, right perspective. They're so rude! <laughs> they just start <laughs> laughing at you, don't they? They just start. Well, they're laughing not even me. laughing. They're like cawing, like you know. You're not listening. You're yeah, not listening. And then when idiot. you finally get it, you go. They go. Oh, okay, you're not. Then yeah. they coo. And then they quiet. S- soften up. So yeah. They keep me on the straight and narrow, pretty good. <laughs> they're kind of they're intense little taskmasters. Those ravens. Yeah, they're very intense. <laughs> they're very powerful. But they're yeah. it's so interesting watching how they interact um, at the ranch. Yeah. When the people come, and sometimes they'll come and be close in. Yeah. And quiet. Yeah. And sometimes they'll just sort of go away, like, uh-huh. and I'm so it's just fascinating to right. study that, yeah. and you know, and that's again kind of like that a waking dream where you're studying the energy of right. what has them want to come in and be close and supportive, right? And then, then what has them not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and their timing, right? And so, I, you know, just having done this work and allowing the possibilities to mm-hmm. be there i just see like we just know so little we're we'll just bare you know there's so much going on out there that um so much magic and mystery you know you know what the word magic actually it means to, to change one's will uh-huh. to change one's consciousness at will the art of change yeah that was Dion Fortune uh, yeah. back in the early 1900s yeah, yeah the art of changing consciousness at will it's a great definition of isn't magic. it a great yeah. I haven't actually found a better one yet <laughs> I used to you know it's funny because in the 90s I used to hate to use the word you know speak from your heart and all that kind of stuff yeah. and so that, I think that's one reason why I used the terms. I I cloaked a lot of what we do yeah. in the leadership thing because people understood it, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't appear sort of wishy washy or right. new agey or some yeah woo woo or something like that. And um, and then in the you know right around that turn two thousand two thousand one, mm-hmm. I was like you know what I don't want to not talk about this uh-huh. energy anymore and this other this other form of consciousness and and um, and actually everybody's I don't care who they are mm-hmm. I don't care what they do for a living mm-hmm. is way more receptive to it and actually want to have the conversation yeah well you know, yeah. waiting for somebody almost to bring it up you know so it's so much easier now to have I mean usually in our classes now we tend tend to have pretty big conversations uh-huh. about this whole uh, um Shifting, you know, like that we're in a yeah. paradigm shift, a yeah. shift in consciousness, yeah. and um, that's what that's what part of what's at mm-hmm. happening here, and that's part of what's going to help us survive. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think, but the, but there's a, there's a different level of urgency now than there was. It, you know, ten years ago, it felt like yeah, this is you know, let's all wake up and that's mm-hmm. cool. But now it's like no, listen, mm-hmm. no, it's getting to be time now. It's yeah. not, we can't just sort yeah. of spend the time enjoying being a w- more awakened we actually have to do something with it now mm, yeah you know 
I've been thinking, sitting here thinking about the uh, dreams you mentioned about all the salt water, the water. Yeah, the water one, yeah. And every time you've mentioned it so far this morning, I've been thinking about something one of my teachers said to me when I had a similar dream, and she said um, that uh, salt water and sweet water mix, but it's easy for salt water to overwhelm the sweet and so um, that I, when I what I was to do was to do a bunch of uh, just like completely luxurious baths for myself and just sort of focus on cultivating the sweet water. And one of the things that I also ended up doing at that period of time, it was this whole transition time in my life when I was having these, you know, swamping ocean dreams. I actually went down to um, the mouth of rivers where sweet water and mm-hmm. so fresh water and salt water mm-hmm. mixed and just kind of meditated on the balance, how the salt water, there's this perfect balance of pressure from the water coming down the hill and the, the ocean water there. So there was something in me that was kind of, it was, it was bigger than, I, I don't even know if I could have put words to it, but it was this kind of balance um, and some one of the ways that I interpreted it at the time was, you know, just the sadness. My sadness was overpowering my the joy that I felt, you know, for various, you know, reasons, very good reasons. But so for me, it was that whole period of time about figuring out the balance, you know, coming back into some balance. So anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, that I mean, um nature wise that the estero the where the water meets the right you're right there yeah we are yeah yeah. but i mean that's a very significant yes and 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 vitally important part of an ecosystem and the balance and so when the estero or that the wetlands are out Mm -hmm. of balance Mm -hmm. that's sort of your harbinger foreteller that things are out of balance and that's out of balance all over the place so You know, the other place is how much of your dream is you and how much is it of you feeling uh-huh. the, feeling the this pain that we yeah. were talking about earlier, like the what's right. not um what's not in you know, in in um in natural in balance. balance. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's what I'm that's where I'm kinda going with mm-hmm. some of these dreams now. It's like some of these some of these dreams are you know, you and you're more and more a spokesperson. Mm-hmm becoming more and more of a spokesperson yeah. for so you you may be getting more and more of these dreams yeah, it too could be well and it just strikes me now that in the estero is a saltwater marsh right it's it's not the estero is always it's the mixture it's the, the mixture. water the salt water coming from the ocean and the fresh water coming from the streams because that i mean it's so interesting the the place where water meets the land mm-hmm. has always been historically the place like the marshland has been the place where the dream oracles are like in mm-hmm. the ancient world in Mesopotamia and, you, you know, the Mediterranean area, you would go to, there would be these places that that was right at the borderline. And so it's it really is that kind of blending of one element into the other. So you're kind of going back and forth. It's just, it's kind of a mm-hmm. nice, it's wonderful place, rich metaphorically to be in and energetically too. Well, and, tre- and a tremendous amount of wildlife there too. Yes, lots of wildlife, yeah. lots of dream messengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've been talking with Ariana Strosi this hour on Dream Talk Radio. I'm Ann Hill. I'm your host, and uh, it's been great having you here on the show. Uh, such interesting conversations about animals and dreams. And it one thing that occurred to me is this: the whole idea of leadership. I mean, when we as humans are attracted to leadership, 
it's really kind of at like all almost all things it does really kind of call us into that vastness into that place where all the wild things meet because we're talking about our ego consciousness sort of making steps and making changes and and having things unfold in the waking world but that's sort of an invitation to explore all of the ways the unconscious world and the the wild world can help us or you know what figuring out what all those messages are along the way so it's a just such a fertile place for exploration mhm yeah well being you no know, leadership is like you know leadership was not invented by human beings it's it's a way that social animals communicate and coordinate right so if you look at the lead horse or whatever you know she's really the direction setter if something's changing in the environment and, they, and the herd needs to make a change yeah. she's the one that makes that decision says okay this is what we're going to do we're going to go this fast we're going to go this far yeah. and there's a sureness that she has in it and she's you know and that's what and and the horses need you know they know they need it mm-hmm. and um i think we're, we're social instinctive animal too and so we need we need to have that feeling of clarity and and when we don't have it you know, yeah. maybe it could be anywhere from just sort of frustration to angst to mm-hmm. something more chronic, you yeah. know, too. Yeah. But I also think, like, to your point, too, is that um, I totally agree, and I think part of our consciousness shift is that we have to move out of the I. Like, the more you study I and me, mm-hmm. the more you get realize it's not about you, me at all. It's yeah. about we're just all part. And so my job as a human being is to continue to keep saying okay what's my purpose and what what am i being asked or called to do yeah. and to and to follow that and to allow that to happen rather than to to mm-hmm. resist it or mm-hmm. um right and that that if i'm being me in that social context then i'm going to be contributing to the whole mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then we each have our part to play right and we and that's why it's so important that we each find ourselves and not but the more you study the me and the i I think ultimately you get back to it's all about the whole. <laughs> yes, yeah. And now it's not just the whole of the human; it's the whole of the the planet, mm-hmm. the animals, the weather, the wind, a lot the water. Of, a lot the of water's big are now. Water's, yeah. water's <laughs> become going to be the big. Yeah. Whether it's in the That's ocean right. or whether it's water that we need to drink, it's mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. Water's the big messenger now. I mean, even with the coming rains in Haiti yes. and right. You know, I had a, so last little dream. I had a dream. Um, you can maybe help me decipher this one. Two weeks ago, um, it was about two or three weeks ago, uh, and it was uh, everything was kind of okay. But our kitchen was on the beach. I mean, it was huh. on the beach, right up against uh-huh. the cliffs. And you know, of course, it was regular low tide, so yeah. no big deal. But I was thinking, well, that's kind of cool. But there's going to be a high tide, uh. and this is going to be a real problem because <laughs> it's just going to wipe the kitchen right, out. Right. Right. You know, so yeah. I was thinking, and I woke up going, what was that? I was a, oh, it was yeah. a weird, it was kind of strong dream, but yeah. weird. And then I was listening to some news last night about Haiti, you know, like they're yeah. really worried about yeah. people there with the storms coming. And I thought maybe that's part of that. Yeah. Maybe that was part of my dream, which is tapping into that. Tapping into that, that yeah. Right now it's okay, the tents, but... Mm-hmm. When the rains come and the tide rises, you know. Yeah, you're going to need a little bit The kitchen's going to get <laughs> taken away. I don't know. I well, don't know. what and do you, you know, think? The, you... the kitchen as the heart of the home is what I always think of it. And so, right. you know, these issues, this stuff is right present, right to the very core, right to the very center of my daily experience, you know. Yeah. Re- yeah. Beautiful view. 
Yeah, I know. It was yeah, it was a nice sunny day, so it was yeah. worked out that day. But you know, it's not <laughs> yeah, always like it's that. It's not always like that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You can uh, you can find out more about Ariana Strozzi's uh, leadership classes with horses, and uh, da- it's, it's really local, gang. It's right down in Valley Forge. So you can contact her at skyhorseranch.com or E-G-E-A-U-S if you want to find out more about the Guided Education Association. And Ariana's book, Horse Sense for the Leader Within, is available at Amazon, or you can order it from Copperfields. Ariana Strozzi, thanks so much for being here. Good good to talk to you. And I will be back next week with another uh, fabulous guest, so I'll be looking forward to that. If you want to find podcasts from past shows go to dreamtalkradio.net and there's a whole list of all the podcasts you can listen there or you can pick them up on itunes and uh, have a great day everybody i'll see you again next week that ends this week's dream talk radio show podcast thanks for listening and remember to tune in every thursday from 9 to 10 a.m at www.kows.fm this is ann hill and i'll see you again next week